Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to work with some of the top athletes in the entire world. I mean, someone like Rich Froning, who's basically, if someone isn't familiar with who that is, he's, he's like the Michael Jordan uh, of CrossFit. It's probably the best way to phrase that. Um, you know, some people that have competed in the Olympics, uh, all that good stuff. So it's been really cool. And, you know, in actuality, that's kind of a little bit of the background for the book, too, because it helped me, you know, being able to coach these people, which is great honor to be able to work with all these really accomplished folks. But you start to notice some trends in the traits and the habits that the really, truly successful people have. And it is really interesting when you look at it that way. It's not, you know, what makes these people stand out? That's a little bit of it. What are they doing on a daily basis? How do they approach things? What are their mindsets? So again, you know, working with thousands of clients myself, I don't really do too much coaching anymore. Work with a handful of top athletes. Like all of this just helped provide the, the framework in the background for like, well, what are the things that successful people do? What's up, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to a brand new episode of Game 7, the sports, business, and lifestyle podcast. I'm Michael Elkins, labor and employment attorney, founder of the law firm MLE Law, as well as the creator and host for the show. My guest this month is the co-founder of Renaissance Periodization turned author Nick Shaw. In this episode, Nick talks to us about his brand new book, Fit for Success, Lessons on Achievement and Leading Your Best Life. In the book, Nick talks about seven key habits for success that he's learned while working with some of the top athletes around the world, including CrossFit Games champion Rich Froning. Those seven habits are work ethic, internal locus of control, positive mindset, discipline, purpose, failure, and recharge. And in this episode, we talk about all of them. Additionally, Nick talks to us about the process of writing a book, what it's like to record your own audiobook, and we actually get in a little conversation about stoicism as well. This is a great episode. I urge everybody to get out and buy the book. You can find it on Amazon as well as anywhere you can get audio and electronic books. But really, Nick takes you in-depth into the motivation for the book as well as sharing some of his favorite passages, and I talk about some of my favorite passages as well. So... If you have any interest in improving your life, as well as an interest in fitness, stoicism, and learning what some of the top athletes in the world are doing to be successful, this is the episode, and this is the book for you. So sit back, enjoy my episode with author Nick Shaw, as we talk about his new book, Fit for Success, Lessons on Achievement, and Leading Your Best Life. So what's going on, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for doing this for the second time. This is part two for us. Yeah, what was the last one? It's like last spring? So I took a look at that before we before we did this. It was more like November of 2018. No way. Wow. All right. 18 in Char- we did it in Charlotte. Yep. 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 I remember that. And actually I was I was looking at it. So you were actually the first person that I ever cold messaged on social media to do a pod. Oh, nice. <laughs> you probably, you might not remember, but you responded like instantly. <laughs> you were like, yeah, hey, I'd love I have that. Na- I have that nasty habit of responding to, to most things. It's it's good and bad. I guess it's a blessing and a curse, right? They should probably say. 
Well, probably a blessing. I mean, it was good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so we're back for part two, but this time we've got a really specific purpose. You just released a new book. Yeah, so the book is called Fit for Success, and it just launched actually about a week ago. So, so far the feedback's all been really good. Um, learning a lot. So it's on Amazon. You can pick it up on Amazon. Uh, you can get the Kindle version, which seems to be doing really, really well. Uh, and then you can also get the hardcover and it's been a little bit of a learning curve because usually at RP, we're used to doing eBooks. We just kind of put it up on the RP site and we sell them. It's really simple and easy, straightforward. And I really thought with this book, I think it can step outside of the fitness realm and help people a lot. So in terms of, you know, mindset, overcoming obstacles or adversity, this book's really going to help because we've done a great job of being able to help people with their health and fitness goals. But part of the reason for this book was like, let's take it one step further. And if we get out into that, you know, realm outside of the small fitness world, well, I think it could really have some cool impact. And, you know, people love to read a hardcover you can get it on Amazon and it's pretty simple and straightforward. So, so far, so good, man. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the book. So I've had the opportunity to read it. You were, I was fortunate enough to get a, an advanced copy from you, electronic version. I think it's great. I want to back, go backwards for one second. So let's sort of reset it. Cause my audience is probably half sports, half business. So Talk a little bit about Renaissance periodization, what that is, and then I've got some specific questions relating to the book itself. But just so that everyone, if they hadn't listened to your pod from before with me, they can kind of know who you are, what RP is all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So RP, Renaissance periodization, RP strength is what we go by online. So we're an evidence-based fitness company. So whether your goals are to lose weight, lose fat, gain muscle, improve your sport performance, just get healthier overall, we can help you out. And we don't sell gimmicks or fads or quick fixes or anything like that. We don't do that. That's all BS. It's not how it works. What we do have is we sort through all the evidence, all the literature for you. So you have a very simple and straightforward, easy to understand program that all you have to do is follow it. Right? That's the easy part, right? Like we do all the hard work. All you have to do is follow it, right? Yeah, you know, I'm just kidding on that. Um, you know, you have to do the hard work, of course. If you bring that work ethic, if you bring the consistency, you want a simple and easy to understand plan to follow. You don't have to go out and do all the research yourself because there's so much misinformation out there when it comes to nutrition. You don't have to worry about it. I always like to give the example. I'm not a car guy. If I have car issues, what do I do? I take it to a mechanic. I could spend hours on YouTube watching videos, trying to figure it out, all that stuff. I could do that, right? So a lot of people, they're not nutrition experts. So you could go online, just type in Google, whatever, healthy diet. You're going to get 10 billion different things. Can you trust them? I don't know. There's a lot of people out there trying to sell a lot of different things. So it's hard to sort through that. How do you sort through that? Well, again, you let... PhDs and experts and registered dietitians, of which we have, you know, 25 of them, let them do it all. Let them sort through everything. So now we can sift through all that and just give the basic recommendations that are going to work. And you just follow the plan to get results. That's it. And you guys are, are certainly not a, a fly-by-night company. We talked about this in the previous pod, so I don't want to spend too much time. I want to focus more on the book. But 
I mean, you're working with some of the top athletes in the strength and conditioning community, CrossFit community, Olympic weight, I mean, across the board. I think I've even seen you expanding into UFC lately. Did I catch that on your Instagram? Or did I, am I wrong with that? Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, UFC, uh, it's, it's been interesting. I think that has a little bit different demographic than what we usually go after. So we work with a lot of folks in CrossFit. And really the best way to describe it would be any – any sport or any activity that involves fitness and weight training, we're going to be very beneficial for those folks. So again, like, yeah, we've been fortunate enough to work with some of the top you know, athletes in the entire world. You know, someone like Rich Froning, who's basically if someone isn't familiar with who that is. He's, he's like the Michael Jordan uh, of CrossFit. It's probably the best way to phrase that. Um, you know, some people that have competed in the Olympics, uh, all that good stuff. So it's been really cool. And, you know, in actuality, that's kind of a little bit of the background for the book, too, because it helped me, you know, being able to coach these people, which is a great honor to be able to work with all these really accomplished folks. But you start to notice some trends in the traits and the habits that the really, truly successful people have. And it is really interesting when you look at it that way. It's not, you know, what makes these people stand out? That's a little bit of it. Like, what are they doing on a daily basis? How do they approach things? What are their mindsets? And so again, you know, working with thousands of clients myself, I don't really do too much coaching anymore. Work with a handful of top athletes. Like all of this just helped provide the, the framework and the background for like, well, what are the things that successful people do? Because I'm truly fascinated by that. It's like what separates someone from being average, from being good to being, you know, at the very top of their craft. And so I'm just like really fascinated by that idea. Being able to work with some of these folks that are truly some of the best in the world has kind of opened my eyes to say, all right, well, now I have a decent understanding. And then, you know, some other things we can probably talk about here in a little bit sort of also factored into it. It's like success, the, there's like these universal principles that make people successful. And it's not just sports, it's not just fitness. These same principles, these same habits, apply to business, apply to general life, right? Overcoming adversity, overcoming uh, disease or whatever, which is, you know, another sort of big thing in the book as well. So I just find that really fascinating because it's not just one thing. These traits are universal. So the book is called Fit for Success. And you mentioned some of these trends that were these things that you saw in some of these top athletes. Was that sort of the, the genesis for the book in terms of breaking those things down for, I guess, lack of a better term, regular people for our everyday lives. That's sort of how it started? A little bit. So if we really want to start with this, we have to backtrack a couple of years. Right. And I, I had a hernia surgery and I couldn't lift weights for a while. I was out of the game for a couple of months. I just couldn't do anything. And, you know, for being a quote unquote meathead like myself, that was really rough. And all I could do was walk. Right. And so I started walking. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. So I started listening to audiobooks. And I got hooked. I was like, wow, I should have been doing this the whole time. And I got, I literally, I got hooked. I just kept getting more. And then I started buying more books. I mean, now I literally have you know, a bookshelf of hundreds and hundreds of books. And that also set the foundation because it was, you know, it's not just reading sports books. It's not just reading business books. It's, you know, it's reading books on, on anything, you know, personal finance or whatever it is. And it just sort of reinforced. I started to notice all of these common themes and I just started writing them down, just kind of in my phone. Like, hey, I think this is pretty cool. 
and eventually I had these kind of 10 core ideas. And then one morning, earlier in 2020, I'm sitting here and the RP books, we, we have a pyramid, sort of like what are the more, most important things when it comes to nutrition or you know, training or recovery, like most important things form the bottom of the pyramid. And I started writing them down and then I showed them to some people and I was like, hey, what do you think of this? Am I crazy? Am I onto something? And they're like, well, you're, I think you're totally onto something here. And that really was a spark plug where I was like, wow, like now I want to take this and I want to start writing. You know, I'd never written a book before. So I just kind of got after it and started writing a little bit each day. And lo and behold, a couple months later, we had 40,000 plus words or whatever and ended up through an editor. One of the, I think the most, uh, the whole book's great, but for me, the part that struck me the most was really the beginning of the book, uh, where you're talking about your wife, Lori, and what happened with her. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that um, in context of sort of the, how that fit within the book, how she's doing also. I'll let you kind of detail what you want to detail about that publicly. Um, for me, that was compelling. More compelling, that the whole book's compelling, but really that sort of drove home a lot of the things in the book because um, we talk a lot about you know fitness and success in business, but what you guys went through or maybe are still going through is translates so much greater than, than those other types of things. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and how that fits in with the book and, and how, like I said, how everything's going thus far. Yeah, totally. No. And, and so that was kind of the last spark that was really like, Hey, you know what? I really want to do this book now because you can work with athletes and you can draw some conclusions. You can work with a lot of other people. You can read a bunch of books and that's all great. These are all great things. You learn a lot, but then, you know, I kind of had these hypotheses you, you could say in my head and then 2020 comes. Right. And <laughs> right. Everyone has been negatively impacted yeah. In one way or another. Crazy. By COVID. Yeah. But by, by something that's happened in 2020. And so I kind of sat down. And I was like, I want this book to come out in 2020. I think it can help people because everyone has been impacted by it. So, all right, January 2020, my wife's diagnosed with breast cancer, stage two, uh, you know, fairly aggressive form. And so we, we have to act really quick. She has surgery in February. She's uh, actually stuck in the hospital for, I don't know, four, five, six nights, something like that. Just some complications that, that, that popped up. So let, again, me, let me interject one second, though, just for the for listeners. I mean, if you follow, if, they, if anyone who follows you or Lori or RP knows, but for those that don't follow and are learning about you guys for the first time, she, she's very healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, weightlifter and was always posting about, you know, recipes and food. I mean... This was a complete shock, am I right? Total and complete shock. The, I, I want to say funny. I don't know. Funny is not the right word, of course. But the ironic part is I didn't even go with her when she went to the doctor that day because I had to go pick up our kids from school. And, you know, my wife is pretty young. She's in phenomenal shape. Eats right. better than I do, to be completely honest. <laughs> Eats better than I do. Follow her recipes, by the way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. You know, she literally creates all of our cookbook recipes. So... The epitome, the epitome of health and fitness, really. And so again, you know, that just comes as a huge shock. And for me, it was like, this is really the first time in my entire life that I've received really, truly bad news. And, and you detail, 
not to cut you off, but, but I'm going to cut you off. You detail day, the day you found out that is for in the forefront of the book and sort of detailed, which I thought was fascinating, sort of the emotions that you guys went through that day, the day that you found out. Yeah, it's, it was a really tough day because you just, you never really expect to hear that news. And I think everyone sort of goes through this. You never, you know, you see stuff happen to other people, but you never think it's going to happen to you. Right. And I certainly had that, that thought. It never really crossed my mind that it was going to be anything. And so you're hit with that and it just is a real big shock and you have to sort of deal with that. And then it just was basically to the point where everything happened so fast after that, that you really didn't have a whole lot of time to kind of stop and reflect and think. So she has surgery, she has complications, she's in the hospital, she starts chemo. I went with her to the first one. Uh, and then right after that, what happens? COVID hits, quarantine hits. We're having to stay home or sheltered in place. Our kids are not homeschooled. So they're not going to school, you know, seven, eight hours a day. And you throw all of this into the mix. And it's just, it could be so easy to feel completely overwhelmed and just focus and dwell on everything negative, you know, kind of play the victim card. Woe is me. I can't believe all this is happening to me. And so again, I just kind of thought back to everything that I had, you know, read, learned and experienced firsthand. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine to have all these thoughts and, you know, write them down or whatever, but it's, it's a little bit different. It's one thing to think that it's an entirely different thing to have to truly live it every single day because now I was forced to, well, how do you become successful in dealing with so much adversity, you know, kind of in, in a matter, a matter of what, a, a few months that seemingly everything was out of whack. Um, so you just really had to, to really kind of put that into practice every single day and, you know, it was rough. It certainly wasn't easy. You know, fast forward to here we are, and you know, kind of towards the end of 2020, she's doing great. She finished treatment in uh, a couple months ago. But again, she had to go through every single thing by herself because we couldn't go anywhere. Like I couldn't go. They wouldn't even let me in the center where they did the treatments. Incredible. No one was allowed in. Like, and if anyone's listening, if you know anyone that has cancer or you know had to go through chemo, you're shaking your head like, yeah. So it was, and it was really rough and, you know, it's kind of, it's very easy to, to feel defeated and feel hopeless or whatever, or, you know, cause you don't have any power. You can't do anything. Right. Right. And so if you want to dive into the book a little bit, so the, you know, the pyramid kind of details these seven habits of successful people. One is work ethic. You know, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that one. It's kind of you know, self-explanatory there, but number two is internal locus of control. And when you feel like you don't have any control, so nothing that you do matters, boy, it's really tough. And that is how people usually kind of get that learned helplessness feeling, like nothing you do matters. So like why even do anything? And it's really easy to fall into that because, you know, here we are having to do all this stuff. You could very easily go down that mindset. And again, it was a fight and it was a struggle day after day to not really do that. And you kind of have to flip it around be like, well, what can I do? What can I control? You know, I can't control if she has cancer. I can't control it. COVID hit. You know, I don't have any control over any of that. But what are the things that I actually can do? You know, I can stay positive. I can, you know, make sure that my kids are doing well in school. I can make sure that, you know, the dishes are done. She doesn't have to do that. Or, you know, just little stuff like that. Again, 
when you flip the script and you start thinking about things in that manner, it just puts you in a better perspective, better mood, and you're just more likely to be happy. So one of the one of the I took some notes on the book, and one of the things I see, you know, obviously in each chapter you've got sort of a quote that sort of highlights the chapter, but my favorite one, you cite Marcus Aurelius um, on uh, talking about focusing on the things that you can control. And I'm a huge fan of Marcus Aurelius, meditations, Ryan Holiday, stoicism. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that influence both on the book and on you personally and sort of how that sort of fits globally into what your, your, what your messaging is. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stoicism as well. And it wasn't until probably last year sometime where I kind of stumbled upon it. I had maybe heard some people mention it here and there, but I never really looked into it. And what's really interesting to me is a lot of these sort of key universal principles that make people successful, they're not necessarily new, right? Yeah. Back 2,000 years, the Romans are talking about these things, right? And so again, that's where stoicism comes from. So it's just a really cool concept. And the biggest thing that they really kind of the biggest message of stoicism, in my opinion, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have a slightly different take on it, but it's the ability that something happens to you, no matter what it is, right? It doesn't really matter. It's something external that happens. Well, we always have the power and the ability to choose how we want to respond to things. And the first time, I actually remember the first time that I heard a message similar to this, you know, I was listening to an audio book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, and he talks about the first one, the chapter, be proactive, not reactive. And he's talking about Viktor Frankl, who you know, wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which is another really awesome book. And he talk, he's talking about this. And I think Viktor, Viktor Frankl is the one that has a quote. And he's like, basically, there's this little gap, right, between something that happens to you and your response. There is this tiny little gap in window. And if we use that window to think about how we want to respond to things, that's really the... The, the, the game breaker, right? It's, it's a huge, crucial component to all of this. And if you want to be successful, you can sort of choose how you want to respond. And now again, it's not easy, right? Because we're all, we're emotional and we're human and we all want to, you know, react with, with emotion. And that's kind of how everything ties together in the book. So if you fast forward to like the recharge chapter, you know, if you can become more mindful, if you can give yourself more self-awareness, you can catch yourself slipping in some of these negative thought patterns or, you know, all this stuff, these cognitive distortions. If you catch yourself, get back out of it. You can kind of get back on the quote unquote right path, you know, the more correct path that's going to help you. Yeah. I agree with you about stoicism. And I think one of the huge things, and you talk about this in the book is, you know, whatever happens to us is only as good or bad as we make it or as we give it credit for, like a thing happens, it's not good, it's not, objectively, it's not good or bad, it just, it just is. The only reason it becomes good or bad or whatever is because we assign that in our minds. And, and you talk about that a lot in the book. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about mindfulness, you know, here today and how that fits into the overall messaging. Sure. So you could probably make a decent argument that getting cancer is objectively bad. You can make that argument. Totally. You can very easily make that argument. <laughs> oh, it's gonna but, but the Stoic will say no. No, for sure. Yep. And so here's kind of a counterpoint. Okay. So this thing has happened. You want to choose to dwell on all the negative. You want to play the victim card. Can't believe this happened to me. 
why me, woe is me. You can do that. Some people do that. But where does that get you? Right? Where does that get you? It doesn't get you anywhere. Nothing good comes of that. So again, you flip the script. You have a more positive mindset. Lo and behold, positive mindset is success habit number three. You just learn to you know, be more grateful for things, right? So if you've never had if you've never had to deal with this, well, it's very easy to overlook that, right? So we live in a society today where I think sometimes people take things for granted of kind of how good we have it. And that's not to be confused with saying we can't get better. We can always get better, right? That's the whole idea. You're always trying to get better. But at the same time, when you flip the script a little bit, you start approaching things from being more grateful, being more appreciative of the little things. And I think if you really talk with anyone that, that overcomes you know, disease and all that, that's probably the biggest takeaway that they get because it makes you sort of realize and be grateful for all the little stuff out there. So for an example, you know, we, we started having, you know, because we're at home, we don't have anywhere to go, literally nowhere to go. You know, dinner every night as a family, uh, you know, always just talking about we'll go around the table. So we have two small kids, um, a third grader and a first grader, you know, like, hey, what was the best part of the day? What happened? What did you enjoy? And also like, what was, you know, something that wasn't so great? And what are you grateful for? You know, because we're, we're very fortunate and blessed. I'm not going to sit here. If I was to complain about stuff, people would, you know, say that I'm a big a-hole. But so I'm not going to do that. And again, I want my kids to know that. I want them to appreciate everything that they have, right? Because, you know, they certainly have a lot more than I did when I was growing up. So again, it's just, it, it flips the script and it gives you a little bit different perspective and a different take on things. And when you have that, you know, all the positive psychology literature out there says that just being more grateful is something that's so simple and easy to do but I think we're all guilty of this from time to time. We do, we take things for granted. And again, it's not till, you know, sometimes it takes something really bad to happen, unfortunately, but when something bad does happen, you know, kind of really, you know, sets this thing off in your head where you're like, wow, I, I got to kind of change, you know, my approach to things and my mindset. And that's absolutely what happened to me this year in 2020. And, and to be clear, you are not advocating just, wake up one day, snap your fingers, and oh, just think about things more positively. I, I think there's a misconception, or we, we see in a lot of sort of books that talk about success and, and how to sort of think, people tend to go down the path of, well, they're trying to just make it so easy, like, oh yeah, you can just think differently and you're, you're good. This book is not that. I wonder if you could draw that distinction, because I, I certainly noticed that when I read the book, and I think that's really important for everybody listening to understand. You're not just saying think more positively, period. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, all these things are hard. All these things are hard. They're simple, but not easy. Again, we're all human. We all make mistakes. You know, a lot of this stuff, it takes discipline, which again, success habit number four is discipline. It's not easy, right? But if you keep trying to do these things day after day, they're hard in the beginning, right? It's very easy to slip back into our old habits, think negatively and all this stuff. I'm not saying you're going to flip that script overnight and all of a sudden things are going to be, you know, all rosy and Pollyanna, whatever, whatever. It's right. Unfortunately, not how it goes. It's just like in fitness. We don't just decide to get in shape and the next morning or day we wake up and we've got six pack abs and, you know, all that. It's not how it works. It's the same thing. It's sort of this daily struggle. Again, but the more and more you do it, 
create better habits. It just becomes a little bit like second nature. But again, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep working at it because it doesn't just happen overnight. Sometimes I wish that it did. And, you know, I certainly don't want anyone to think that I'm sitting here you know, trying to say that I'm perfect or anything and I do all these things and I never struggle. Like, that's absolutely false, right? Like, I make a ton of mistakes. You know, I slip into, you know, negative mindsets and, you know, thinking all the wrong things quite often. I think everyone does. A lot of people don't like to talk about that and admit it. But again, when you do admit it, it just allows people to relate to you a little bit more. Sure. And, and I think one of the things that RP kind of talks about on the, on the diet side or on the nutrition side, is great consistency is better than perfection. And I think that's a core component of what you're talking about here. 100%. I think a lot of people like to try to be perfectionists and I'm certainly one of those people. Yeah. So I'm always, I guess here's how I approach it. I know that I'm never going to be perfect, but at the same time, I can always be trying to get a little bit better. Right? And if you have that mindset, you always want to be improved. And again, this goes back to, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm just, I should thank my parents, right? Genetically blessed. But like, I've always kind of had that mindset going back to high school. I never really wanted to be average. I always wanted to stand out. I always wanted to kind of do a little bit more. And so I was always willing to, because I, I learned this early on, that if I just worked harder than everyone else, doing the things that other people wouldn't do or didn't want to do, then I would, you know, over time probably do as well, maybe better, you know, maybe not quite as well, just depends. Some people are really genetically gifted. Right. But again, I just, I love that whole idea that I can just keep getting better. And, and again, honestly, like that's what drew me into fitness, right? Because there's no better thing than fitness. No matter what, you can always get faster. You can always get stronger. You can always do more reps, right? Like all these things. And so that's why I've always been drawn to fitness. And, you know, that's how RP started. Right. And I think, the whole idea with with the book and some of the things that you're talking about is the idea about practice, right? I mean, even stoicism, right? The practice of stoicism and acknowledging that you're not going to be, you're not going to, you're not going to read this book and then tomorrow it's going to be perfect. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you are, but the book sort of functions. It's like a manual almost. I mean, it's not a technical manual. I'm not saying that, but conceptually though, it's something that I think people can carry with them and refer to and keep going back to when they sort of fall off the wagon for lack of a better word, or they feel that negative mindset coming on. I mean, you can go right into this book and sort of hone in on that directly. Yeah. So one of the big things when uh, the editor is kind of working through the book and it's really funny, man, the book's pretty heavily edited, uh, which is great, right? Cause you know, I have all these ramblings when I send it over and they're like, is it okay if we kind of tweak things quite a bit? I'm like, yes, please, like, please do. Like, make me sound a lot smarter than I really am. Um, but one of the big things that I really wanted to make sure, because like, you know, most of the books that I read, if there's something at the end of each chapter that's kind of like a quick take-home message, right? It's like, all right, all this stuff is great to learn, but I'm like, what's something you can go and do about it right now? But I like that, and I was like, let's please have something like that at the end of each chapter. And so if you just stick to those things in the book. For one example here, so we talk about gratitude. So one of the you know chapters ends with this. Well, again, this is supported in all the positive psychology literature out there. You know, Martin Seligman, kind of the godfather of positive psychology, he talks about you can just write down a couple of things each day that you're grateful for. And it seems so simple, it seems so easy. But a lot of people will gloss over that. And to be 100 percent honest, I did for the longest time. I 
I just kind of thought, you know, all this stuff, something like that, something like meditation, even, you know, it's, like, ah, it's kind of frou frou like whatever, I don't need to do that. Right. And it, but over time, if you do it enough, you can start to switch your mindset around. So you just start to be more appreciative of all those things. And it's not something huge, but if you do it consistently, you can start to flip your own script in your head. You can, you know, become more positive and more appreciative. And I just think that's a much better approach. Um, and again, kind of to quote, to, to be happy, you know, all the positive psychology literature supports it. Like that's one of just the easiest things that you can do. Are you a big journaler or, have one, or is it more just write down the things you're grateful for? I'm always curious um, with that. Yeah, a, a little bit of both. So I kind of have a notebook. Um, so usually what I do is I'll write down, you know, a couple of things I'm grateful for. I'll write down, um, you know, a couple of things that I think went well the day before. Uh, another thing that I'll do is I kind of write down, like, what did I do? Kind of like my daily improvement checklist. Like, what did I do to get better today? And again, you know, it's usually just kind of sticking to my morning routine and reading and, you know, just, just all the stuff. I can try to get everything done on my to-do list, just little things like that. But again, it's just like, it's this habit focusing on these aspects and if you just consistently do these things over time yeah you don't get overnight results but you don't get overnight results in really anything that's worthwhile you consistently do it consistently work at it and a few months from now six months from now a year from now you keep doing these things you might slip up here and there you don't have to be perfect but if you you know let's say read a few pages a day all of a sudden you know a year from now you probably read a handful of, of really good books and you probably have some new ideas and all this stuff like I don't know why, why would people not do that? Right. I don't know. I'm just, I'm totally biased. Right. So of course I'm going to say that, but that's just kind of how, how I work. Well, I, I mean, I think it's true with people. I certainly didn't start practicing a lot of different things like journaling and gratitude lists and really diving into self-awareness until about maybe three or four years ago when, you know, uh, maybe four years ago when I found myself sort of in a place where I was like, I, I have to do something because I, I don't feel too good about certain things here. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight, but it, I mean, it sounds cliche. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen where those little daily improvements really start to add up. It's, it's your, and your analogy about fitness is exactly that. Like you go to the gym for one day, that's not going to do much. It just doesn't. But when you start stacking day on top of day on top of day and you start changing your training and you start dialing it in, suddenly one day turns into seven days, which turns into 21 and all of a sudden you're starting to see results. And I think that's a lot about what you're talking about. You mentioned something earlier that I wanted to ask. You talked about the editorial process. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the process of writing a book because this was brand new for you, as I understand it. And yeah, so yeah, but there's a bunch of different options out there. You can, you can self-publish, you can you know, go to kind of one of the big traditional places downside of going the more traditional route. And I, and I spoke with some people that, you know, have gone that route before, been very successful. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's just a really good route. But I'm just, at the end of the day, it came down to, I really think it's important to get this book out in 2020. I didn't want to wait till the end of next year for it to come out. Right. Hopefully, hopefully, things are much better here now. <laughs> Back to normal, hopefully. But at the same time, it's just for me, I really wanted to get it out because I think it's going to help a lot of people, right? So we're heading into the holidays here in 2020. And here's my prediction for 2021, January 1st. 
I think we're going to see the greatest number of New Year's resolutions we've probably ever seen. Because again, does it really matter 1231 to 1 1? Is it really that big of a difference? No. But in everyone's head, in everyone's minds, this year's over. 2020 is over. For a lot of people, they're going to say, this has legitimately been the worst year of my life. So 2021 is a fresh new slate. You can get after it. So I really think we're going to see this big push towards a bunch of New Year's resolutions. And hopefully people are very successful. And, you know, maybe they read this book. Maybe they, they again, go back to, I think it's in the positive mindset chapter, talk about goal setting. So maybe they read it and they're like, oh, I'm not going to have all these super ambitious goals. I'm just going to set realistic, reasonable goals. And I'm going to be better off because what happens when people set the really crazy goals, it sounds fine when you're sitting there on the couch, like you and I could set goals right now and we'd be like, yeah, let's run a marathon in you know, a couple months. <laughs> and then we really, yeah, that's not start at, yeah, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. But like, you know, it's easy to say that when we're sitting here, probably yeah. our bellies are full and all that stuff. We're not in pain for money, but it's an entirely different thing. Now, when you're out there running 10 miles, let's say, you might set a little bit different goal. So again, if you just have that perspective, you can change it, you're going to be better off. Yeah. You see that all the time at RP. Like we want to make people more successful with their fitness goals. So we want to give them tips on how to do that. And again, this book is just kind of an extension of that to help people, not just in fitness, but in, in all aspects of their life. And, and I think if we're applying some of the concepts from the book to 2020, right? If you look at the pandemic, and everything that's happened this year globally to the entire world, so to the whole population, there is a, there's a lot of positive, I think. You know, we're all still here, number one. I mean, and that sounds so basic, but you're still here. Hopefully, you're still reasonably healthy, right? And even if your business has suffered, there's still opportunity. And I know plenty of people that have actually thrived during the pandemic, um, not because of the pandemic, but they just... The pandemic has, has impacted them, but they just sort of shifted. So I think there's some positive to come from this. Uh, and certainly 2021, people can look back and go, look, if I survived 2020 and I survived a pandemic, it should be okay going forward. Totally, man. That's, again, that's just the thing that successful people are going to do. They're going to find the silver linings in 2020, right? They're going to find those opportunities. Yeah, they may really hit some obstacles or they might have some failures, but they're going to get back up. They're going to learn from it and they're going to keep going. I mean, just imagine, I know you are a pretty avid gym goer. Like I know plenty of gym owners that their gyms have been sort of forcefully shut down for months at a time. Well, yeah, successful ones are quickly pivoting. You know, they've learned how to do all the online stuff. They, you know, they're just doing whatever they can. Maybe they have to have fewer people in the gym, but they're still doing it. Like they're still finding a way or, you know, my approach was, and just if we think back to March, I mean, I think everyone thought, and it certainly appeared this way, that this pandemic could have really wiped a lot of things out. Right? And you and, talk about yeah. the beginning of the book, in addition to the situation with Lori, right? You, you kind of detail where you were with RP and what you were thinking about your business as well. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, luckily, we're incredibly fortunate. I'm <laughs> very grateful that we are an online remote based company. So we, you know, we don't have an office, we weren't closed down or anything. So everyone was kind of like business as usual, but everyone immediately can't go to the gym anymore. So this gym free program, which we had, ironically, no one ever bought it, though, because <laughs> we were just going to the gym. 
uh, like overnight, it becomes like our, our top seller of the entire year. And it's just, that's kind of wild, right? That's a silver lining. So again, it just, no matter what happens to us, and no matter how bad things seem, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here trying to, you know, preach from the top or anything like that. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, again, we can always sort of find that silver lining and, and look for those things and, I would just encourage people not to be so pessimistic and only negative because like you said, you are still here. You know, even if you know some people that may have been impacted really bad this year, well, you're still here. Yeah. 2020 is coming to a close. Like, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's the worst year we'll ever experience. And I think, you know, that's probably a pretty good case can be made that it's unlikely that something like this is going to happen. You know, uh, my wife's parents, you know, they're like 80. And she's telling me, like, they've never seen anything like this, right? And they were born in whatever, what, 1930, 1940, something like that. Like, we're probably unlikely to see something like this again for quite some time. Well, I mean, it, you know, going on to Stoicism, right? I mean, the Stoics always say, look, everything that's happening to us has happened before. So freaking out about the pandemic, and, and a lot of people did, and I don't blame them for that. It happened. But we've had pandemics. I mean, Ryan Holiday talked about this on the Daily Stoic, right? I mean, the Antonine Plague from, I think, like 116 BC or something that ravaged Rome and, and was very similar to COVID, but was just, you know, however many hundreds of years ago. So we've, we've seen these things before and humanity has survived and humanity is going to continue to survive. And we just happen to be alive during this particular incarnation of a pandemic. But it's happened before. I, I kind of can preach. I don't know about preaching that to people, but I've sort of been thinking that to myself, like it's going to get better because history tells me the data says it's going to get better. Um, and I think that's part of the positive mindset. Yeah. Well, so not only that, but go back 2000 years ago, they didn't have anywhere near the technology that we, that we have now. Now maybe you could see that's good and bad because I guess people are less likely to travel and they didn't have airfare or whatever. So maybe things can spread easier now. But on the flip side of that, we have so much better technology now that, well, our chances of you know fighting something like this, battling it effectively should be a heck of a lot better now. So I do have to ask you a, a one or two RP questions because people sent them to me on Instagram. I put, I teased this episode and I said, you know, what questions do you have for Nick about the book? And I got, I got a bunch of RP questions, but before Tacos, we, yeah. of course, before we get into that, where can they get the book? Where can they find you? Go through it. Yeah. Fit for success. So lessons on achievement and leading your best life is the, the subtitle of it. By me, Nick Shaw. So if you just Google any of that, you know, go on Amazon, look it up. You'll find it. Hardcovers on uh, Amazon. The, uh, the Kindle is on Amazon as well, so you can get it either way. And uh, audiobooks going to be out by probably you know end of the year, Christmas time, something like that. Um, real quick note on that, man. I tell you, reading your own audiobook or reading your own book out loud for audio <laughs> is really wild. It is not easy. Yeah. How long did that take? Uh, we had two four-hour blocks uh, in, in back-to-back days. So we just kind of wanted to, to knock it out in a couple of days. Um, and it's rough. And when you're reading quietly to yourself, it's, you see words and you just kind of gloss over them or you kind of say it however you want in your own head. But when you have to pronounce them out loud perfectly, 
Boy, that's really hard. I'm looking at some of these names of some of the authors that I have in the book. I'm just like, oh my gosh, why did I put that in there? There's one guy in particular. He's got like the hardest to pronounce name of all time. The guy that wrote the book Flow. Yep. And it's me high, cheek sent me high. So then we had to we had to look up a YouTube video that pronounced it. And we're like, okay. And then I break it down like that. And you're like, oh, okay, that's actually a little bit easier than I thought. But boy, it's it's tough. Um, it is cool. Have you ever um, listened to uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins? That new book? Yes. So kind of pulled a little uh, inspiration from that. And that, so we, we did the, the audio book recording, but we also added in like a little bit of a Q&A at the end of each chapter. So I think hopefully, you know, if you're into audio books or something, that could be a cool thing. And, you know, that'll be on Amazon as well. So there's a few different options for the book. How did you, de- speaking of the audiobook, how did you deal with pacing? Because people, the way that we talk is different than what you would do for recording an audiobook. I deal with it all the time as a lawyer because I have to talk to juries and, you know, judges. But what were your thoughts on that? Did you have to kind of adjust your pacing when you were recording it and get used to that? Totally. They kept telling me, hey, just slow down it's okay to have some pauses and like you can put some emotion into it. Cause that's a cool thing. You know, it, it, when the author reads the book, like you know it better than anyone. So it's cool to be able to do that. And it, you know, it's probably funny. I probably started off pretty well and then it just, you know, it gets a little hard. I probably tried to, you know, maybe talk a little bit too fast. You just have to slow down things, take it nice and easy, you know, sage word make sure you're not stumbling or messing up or anything and if you do you just kind of pick back up from the last sentence that's how it is it's it's really funny the slower you go the more efficient you become you end up finishing in less time than if you were trying to rush it because then you're going to make more mistakes so it's funny i had to keep thinking of that you know when i was reading the book i'm like oh boy this is delayed gratification right here i'm like don't, I'm, you know, I, you start at the top of the page, right? don't skip down to the bottom, like, just because you want to get done as fast as you can. Like, no, take your time, go nice and slow and steady, be consistent. And once I was able to do that, you know, we kind of cruised through it. Like the second day when we showed up, cruised through the last couple chapters and all that. And it's pretty easy. Yeah. It's, it's, you learn. We, what, the way we hear ourselves talk is very different than what our actual pacing is, which is, I'm always still working on. Uh, transitioning slightly, RP in terms of the uh, nutrition, you guys have an app which is well known to all of us RP followers. I wonder if you could talk a really quick about the app and then I have one question on it. Yeah, so the app, RP Diet Coach app, it's in the Google and Apple stores. Essentially what it does is rather than hiring me to be a coach, you download this app, you punch in all your own personal information when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you work out, how long and how hard you work out, you know, if you have any time frame, how many meals you want per day, um, if you have any busy periods during the day, you can have set busy periods so meals won't pop up then. It's just a really cool interactive tool and it sort of builds upon our digital uh, PDF templates. And so it's kind of like being GPS for your nutrition goals. You tell the app what your goals are, what your timeline is essentially. And the app's going to tell you one, if that's realistic or not, of course, <laughs> and then it's going to help guide you along the way. So you enter in your weight a couple times a week, and then it gives you know, weekly recommendations based on your progress. So if you're cruising along, you're just crushing it. You'll just keep going. 
fall behind, the app's going to say, hey, you know what, based on your progress and your goals, well, we probably need to update things and reduce your food intake a little bit. And the app automatically does it for you if you say, yes, let's do it. Yeah, I'm a huge um, fan and believer in the app. I think it's amazing. I probably, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's actually what I go to probably second most on my phone when I'm doing a cut. Um, and I got, I, so the one question I have came in from four different people and it was this, if they want to add personalized foods to the app, how do they do that? You have the barcode scanner, but not, apparently I get, for these people, not everything was on there. So they, they wanted to add stuff and they asked me, ask Nick, how do we add stuff? <laughs> there are 750,000 foods in the app. So it's got a pretty good selection. Yes, it does. <laughs> One, I would encourage people to start using the basics food list as much as possible. It's going to be slightly more advantageous to go that route. So again, you pick, you know, here's the thing. People like to scan in their particular brand or, you know, whatever it is they take. It's like, it's not a big deal. You can just choose, you know, if it says oatmeal in the basics and, you know, you're eating oatmeal, it doesn't matter if it's Quaker or, I don't know, Nabisco, whatever, I don't know know all the brands but like it's not really that big of a deal because here's the thing if we go back to the principle we talked about earlier just consistency being more important than perfection in the app rounds to the nearest five grams because that's just easier it's just more practical and more realistic it doesn't matter if you have you know 31 grams of protein versus 32 grams of protein or 30 like you're good you know there's inherently a little bit of margin of error on any and all nutrition labels right sometimes people forget that so again, it's just, it goes back to that idea. Um, so all that being said, you know, use the basics, try scanning stuff. If it doesn't show up for some reason, there's a custom food entry. And you go in and you create a custom food entry and you can literally enter whatever you want. Right. And that's it. So like 750,000 foods plus custom food entry, you can enter any <laughs> single thing you could possibly think of in the, in the entire world. Yeah. The app's amazing. The book's amazing. Uh, where where can people find you guys on social media? So the best spot is probably at RP Strength on Instagram. That's like the main RP page. So we try to balance it. You know, maybe a little humor in there with some memes, maybe some educational memes on fitness, uh, you know, some funny things, some uh, before and after pictures if you want a little inspiration, motivation here and there. Um, and then if you want to follow me personally, uh, at nick.shaw.rp. I'm always interested in hearing people's feedback on the book. Uh, that's a cool thing. You know, it's the first time I've ever written a book. You know, we have many books at RP, but this is kind of the first one that, that I really led the charge on. So it's really fascinating to, to get feedback on it and to hear how it's helping people. Like, it's totally cool when people are like, hey, RP has helped me. That's awesome. But like, when you actually write something, it's just a really cool thing. So I love to hear from people about the book. Have you been getting good feedback? Uh, actually, you know, ironically, the, the feedback is great so far. Uh, and, you know, it's pretty early, but, um, you know, of course, you know, Amazon's a little, a little different because we've never sold on Amazon before, but I'm just learning a lot of stuff so far. Um, yeah, overnight. So when I woke up this morning, there's a couple of cool things. On all the new release nonfiction books on Kindle, the book is currently at uh, 21. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked for that. It's uh, it's, it's a wild being on Amazon. And, you know, of course, I don't know some people don't like Amazon. Some people do. I happen to really love Amazon. Amazon. Uh, so does my wife. She gets multiple packages pretty much every single day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, it's really cool. But, you know, because if you're going to sell books, you have to be on Amazon because that's yeah. just where everyone goes. And it is cool how they do all the rankings and stuff for you. And, um, you know, they have a bunch of different categories. So um, like I think the book hit number one new releases in healthy living, which I thought was kind of a cool, cool category for us to be in because that's kind of how I picture RP as being like, you know, we're all about healthy living. You know, now we've had nutrition stuff, training stuff, you know, recovery stuff. And now we have a little bit more in terms of mindsets. So we're able to take that next step outside of the, uh, just the fitness space. This just occurred to me, and then I, I want to definitely get you out of here, be respectful of your time. Of course, we've been going for a little bit, but you mentioned people giving you feedback on how RPs helped them, and then now they're reading the book. I would imagine if somebody is starting RP or new to RP in terms of the nutrition and the, and the, and the lifestyle, which takes some getting used to when you start it, I think anyway. I, mean, I remember when I started. I had an, an ex-girlfriend introduce me to it. She was a power lifter and she's like, you don't eat enough. And that's why you're not. And I was like, what are you talking about? I eat fine. And then I had the templates, the old paper templates, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I plugged my info in, got it from RP. And I was like, I can't eat this much food. I'm going to get fatter. And I did it. And of course we know the opposite is true. So I would imagine though, if somebody was to combine the book with when they're starting RP, that would probably be a pretty good recipe for sort of, being successful in your journey and sort of changing how you eat and view food? 100%. So one of the biggest takeaways, we talked about it just a little bit, but and how it relates to fitness specifically is there's this concept that psychologists call the false hope syndrome. And I never really knew there was an exact term for this, but I always knew that people did this. They get overly ambitious. They set crazy goals. They don't realize how much work is actually involved in doing it, right? So an example, you download the app and you're like, yeah, I want to lose 30 pounds in 10 weeks. You <laughs> might be able to do that. You might. Yeah. That's really crazy. That's three pounds a week. That is fantastic, phenomenal. You should, probably shouldn't expect those results all the time. But people do because they're in that you know, state where they're probably just sitting there watching Netflix, eating some popcorn or something. Like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And then a week later, they're like, oh, Holy crap. Well, it turns out this is, you know, it's way too much. They get way over their head. They get discouraged and then they just fall off track. Yeah. It's like, if you can take that one takeaway from the book, like you're going to be better off instead of 30 pound drug. Oh, Hey, you know what? I'm going to have a longer term time horizon, delayed gratification. I'm going to only lose 15 pounds for this cut. And I'm going to maintain those results because I'm thinking more long term. And I'll do another cut later on. You know, nine months from now, I'm down those 30 pounds and I have habits. I'm in the best shape of my life versus you try to do it all at once, right? Everyone wants results overnight. Everyone does. It's not how it works. So again, if you have that approach and mindset, you can be fundamentally, you know, how much more successful can you be if you have that perspective? Yeah. I mean, it really does take time. I always love when you guys post uh, the, the charts that get come in the app you know, the actual diagram and how, you know, weight goes up and then it's down and then it can go up. I mean, that's, to me, that's just so important for understanding how, you know, our bodies work with that. It's not, it's just not linear. And that's mm -hmm. the delayed gratification. Like you're going to lose a problem. If you're new to it, you're probably going to lose a lot of weight early on just because you're cutting out all the garbage. That's not going to last. And I try to tell, I, I tell people that too. I'm like, even, even if it's business, right. And you start, start a new business and it sort of just jumps, takes off a little bit, that's going to kind of even out a little bit. And that's when the real work begins. And I think 
the book is uh, talks about that and is a great resource for those types of things too. For sure. Yeah, I don't think we actually mentioned this, but one of the other habits of success is failure. Like you're going to hit those stumbling blocks, I mean, no matter who you are. The, the key isn't that you don't fail at all. Like you're going to mess up no matter how successful you are. Everyone messes up. Yeah. It's just having the right mindset and approach from coming back from failure. Are you learning from it? Do you not have a huge ego? So you can learn from it and you don't repeat the same mistakes. So that's kind of the big difference there with failure. Ego is the enemy. That's right, man. I like all the Ryan Holiday books too. I think they're really good. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here on that. Thank you so much for doing this. Fit for Success is the book. It's written by Nick Shaw, co-founder of Renaissance Periodization. You can get it at Amazon. Where else can they download it again? Um, Amazon's probably the best spot. I mean, you can get the PDF on the RP Strength website, but uh, I mean, Amazon, let's be honest. They're just right <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Problem. I want to thank Nick for joining me on the show for a second time. Anybody who's ever met me, even for a short period of time, knows that I'm a huge fan and follower of Renaissance periodization. I love everything that they do. Uh, speaking personally, I you know was I had an advanced copy of Nick's book, read it cover to cover. It's fantastic. Um, I, I really recommend anybody who's interested in you know, improvement and finding out the secrets of what successful people do. This book really uh, distills it down. So I hope everybody had a great holiday. I hope you're all staying safe. Wear a mask, please, with the pandemic. And uh, we have one more episode to go at the end of the year, which I'm going to release very shortly. Adam Grossman, Executive Vice President of the Boston Red Sox. Then we're going to take a little bit of time out for the rest of 2020, recalibrate and come back really strong in 2021, hopefully with new logo, some new music, and a whole bunch of great new guests that I'm working on lining up. So have a great holiday. Enjoy this episode. Go buy Nick's book. And for this show, please, please, if you like it, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review as well. It really helps the show. Thanks, everybody. Have a great holiday, and I will talk to you in December. Thank you.